everybody, it's Garrett. Today's episode of the DudeCast is a very special one. A couple months ago, I put together my list of the best podcasts for men, and the Modern Manhood podcast was one of my favorites. So I reached out to them via email, chatted a bit, and found myself becoming friends with the host, Herman Vijegas, who you'll note, I absolutely butcher his name the first time I say it on today's episode. What's great about Herman and his show is that he features a wide variety of great people talking about all sorts of things revolving around masculinity, which is why it was such an honor for him, for me to have him be a part of the Dudefluencer Summit a couple months ago. And if you didn't get a chance to watch it, don't worry, I've got you covered here with today's episode. We talk about modern masculinity, what it means to be a man, and we have a really great conversation about toxic masculinity and what are the next steps we should be taking to sort of move forward. It was super enlightening, and I just love every chance I get to chat with Herman, this time being no different. So without further ado, let's get on to the show. All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I am really, really excited about this next interview that I'm about to do. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sat in on his podcast, and he is super awesome and decided to come and speak with us today. Uh, I'm talking with German mm-hmm. Vijegas. Did I get it right? Yeah, Herman. You can call me Herman, though. Um, it's, oh, it's definitely I'm so sorry. The German is it. It's, no, don't don't be because I everybody calls me German, and that's totally cool. I totally understand why. <laughs> it's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so it's all good. So, so uh, Herman got it right that time. You got it right. <laughs> uh, is the host of the Modern Manhood podcast. So I was doing some research on podcasts probably about six, seven months ago. And I was looking for a podcast specifically about men and masculinity. And more often than not, I found these really just hyper-masculine podcasts that were full of bravado and sort of this kind of alpha male uh, mentality. And that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for a really kind of wide-ranging discussion on masculinity. And I happened to come across Modern Manhood. And I, I have to tell you that you have just such an incredible just number of guests. And the topics that you end up talking about are just so wide-ranging that it's really, really beneficial for men. Um, so I, I really want to thank you for that. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. That's really nice of you to say. And uh, I think the, one of the main goals of the podcast was to kind of be a little bit more different than the very, what you mentioned, very hyper-masculine way of thinking about masculinity in general. Like, I think that that, that comes with the territory. Um, I wanted to come across the podcast in a way that was more systemic-based, like talking about systems, talking about institutions, talking about ways in which um masculinity and gender really affects the way that we approach life um you know I, we can talk a little bit more about what that means um but at the same time like i i'm glad that you mentioned that it it sounded different to you because that was a goal of mine <laughs> it was to sound different than that everybody else <laughs> yeah i mean it is uh I'll definitely have a link for everyone to check it out. Um, but I mean, there's just so many different guests and there is just so much information that you pack into 
your episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's go back just a little bit. Um, so how did you start Modern Manhood? Um, I started it, uh, let's say 2015, 2016, I think it was when I started it. Um, I was really interested in regards to gender and masculinity in, in a sense that it was something that was in my mind personally, not only personally, but also, um, excuse me, from the work that I was doing. At the time I was working, um, with a lot of youth and, I'm not a social worker, but actually I'm an educator by trade. So I got a chance to work in a position where I was helping a lot of young, young people. Uh, and I don't know how it is in the country that you're in, wherever you're listening. It's, um, in Canada specifically, these kind of jobs, these kind of frontline work, like, uh, where we, where you're counseling youth or where you're doing something with youth is very female driven, very female dominated. Um, I was put into a position where I was helping a lot of young men and because I was a man. <laughs> um, that was usually the the train of thought. It's like, hey, you're a guy. Can you help with this young guy? So I got a, my client caseload was a very much uh, a lot of young men. Um, and so like learning a lot about that and learning about how young masculinity is actually evolves and actually is shaped through identity uh, with these young lives um, specifically because I was helping young people who were, you know, addicted to drugs or were in high risk situations or not even just that, were just like in trouble in school or something like that. Um, and so the more I researched, the more I realized that this is something that is important. Um, and this is interesting because it's like, <laughs> yeah, no duh, of course it's important. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> the way that a young boy is shaped, of course, is affected by what other adults, males shape them. And, it, and it's like when you say it out loud, you're like, yeah, of course. But it's something that's obviously not really investigated as much. Um, so I wanted to learn more. Um, and I realized that there was some stuff to learn, but I didn't think that there was a good medium to kind of process that information. Um, and not only that, at the time, I was really going through a, a time of uh, change for myself. And I was trying to figure out what my identity was as a man. And so those kind of two things culminated. And I said, you know what, let's make a podcast about this. And <laughs> like, and that's actually synthesized all this information that I've, that I've learned and actually make something that was, um, something that was inf- informational. And I wanted to show the different types of masculinity in the world. And at the start, I really wanted to do it through interviews. And I really wanted to, to, to kind of show, like, these are all the type of men there are in the world. And they, they will shape how it is, uh, how life is in the world in general. Um, but, at the, you know, that's my thought evolved throughout the podcast. It's been almost four years, five years now that it's that the podcast has been around. And at the time, there wasn't a whole lot of this conversation <laughs> about, uh, like, like positive masculinity or even toxic masculinity, like, Trump wasn't even a thing when I started the podcast. And I remember my first few episodes was, um, I remember talking about like the, the Trump election um, and was something that I was like, oh, this might come up and stuff like that. And, but it's exploded lately. And I think that, that there's all been a lot of different mediums that have been talking about this, which is really good. Um, at the same time, I feel like there is, I think Modern Manhood sits unique in, in the way that it actually uh, produces its content. So 
I'm very proud of that. But yeah, that's basically the origin story of Modern Manhood. I mean, I was toying around a lot of the names, but uh, I think I think Modern Manhood's a good name for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you were very much on sort of the the forefront of this larger conversation uh, around masculinity, um, like four or five years ago. Like like you said, this wasn't really a topic of conversation that was widely brought up. Um, yeah, it wasn't a topic to so jour, I, for I, sure. I, it was it was more something like that. It was like very much – it was in the news, but it wasn't talked about as much. Now, ever since like Trump got elected, ever since the Me Too movement, it, it has been something that's been on the forefront. So um, that's obviously something that – I won't take credit for that. I think that there's been a lot. Like I stand on 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 the shoulder of giants and people who have been uh, pulling on this conversation way more than I have. Um, so I give them credit um, more so than I give myself credit for that too. Yeah. So you you've obviously done. So you've been doing it for four or five years. So obviously you have probably talked to a ton of different people and learned probably a bunch of different lessons. Mm-hmm. How did you, uh, were you able to take a lot of those lessons and use them in your work, uh, sort of working with these young men? Yeah, for sure. And I think that like, it really, I wouldn't say I, I gave it towards my young, the young men that I, that I worked with. I think, it, you know, there's a lot more to do with those young men. And I think that it was more to do with like, the counseling techniques that I would use and the type of, um, you know, ways that we work around with families and I don't get too, too much into that, but it doing modern manhood and talking to all these people and thinking about it in the way that I feel was important for me really shaped the way I saw the systems and institutions that are around me and also how it got affected and how men specifically wanted to talk about that. Um, and in what ways they wanted to bring up masculinity and gender in a way that was safe for them. So, for example, I I remember at the start of Modern Manhood, I really – there was a time when mental health was a big thing that really was important. I mean, still is important. I'm just saying that, like, it was – again, it was one of those topics to George, and, and it still is, uh, specifically with men. Um I'm really happy that a lot of men are really talking about mental health as a as a way of talking about their identity. Um, at the same time, I felt that there wasn't being investigated properly in how men do get affected, how their mental health gets affected uh, throughout different institutions. So I saw that as like, yeah, a lot of men talk about mental health and talk about it in a way, you know, we should really talk about our feelings. We should really talk about um, how we uh, approach uh, hard conversations within guys and also that we should not be scared to to be vulnerable. And I think that's really important. Um, there isn't kind of like an investigation as to why that is and why that has become such a entrenched part of our identity as men. Um, and there hasn't been an investigation as to how that affects other genders, like specifically with women and specifically with their partners, specifically specifically with the LGBTQ community. Um, it's been more so about like, what about me? What about me? What about me? And so when I branched out my, 
my podcast to say, I want to talk about systemic issues. And this happened about a couple of years ago, by the way. I wanted to talk about the systemic issues that was affecting not only men, but everybody else. And so that's the one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, coming around back to your question, as to what are the gateways to talk about gender and, and to talk about masculinity in a way that was safe for men. But also, let's not forget about how this affects everybody else, the community at large. And I think that to me is really the most important part that I want to give to men to say, what is happening with you not only affects you, but affects everybody else and the community too, right? So yeah, that's a big lesson for me. That, yeah, that's really, uh, that's really massive. And I think it's a really important takeaway uh, because I, I have seen a lot of that, um, that the, the motivational speakers is very much about, you know, taking care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they don't necessarily get to the other part, which is everybody else around you. No, and it sucks because it's like I and it's interesting in regards to regard when you talk about masculinity because masculinity is very ego driven. It's very very much in your own self. And like the ego is very important specifically when we talk about toxic masculinity. I know you wanted to talk about toxic masculinity specifically later. Um <clears throat> but I think that like the way that we want to uh, show our identity is is ego driven. Um, and sometimes that ego doesn't realize that the systems around us get affected by the way we do things. And we forget sometimes that, man, when we hurt somebody that, or when our mental health is down, we hurt somebody, we hurt others. And there's that accountability piece that we miss sometimes. And that accountability piece is very, very important so when we are vulnerable to say, you know what, I, I really need to, I, I really feel depressed. I really feel anxious. I really feel stressed. That's great. There's a second piece to say, what did I do to make sure I, I mend those relationships that I may have hurt with my partner, with the, my friends, with my family? They might not be able to want to talk to you because of your toxic masculinity. So how do we not only hold ourselves accountable to say, you know what, I'm sorry that this happened and bring those people forward. And not only that, to show, to say like, especially in the moment that we're having right now with Me Too and also with uh, Black Lives Matters and everybody else, like, like there is that accountability piece that I think we need to stick, take a step back and say like, maybe it's time for me to listen. Maybe it's time to not feel... <clears throat> not take things a little bit personal, take my ego out of it. Maybe it's not a time for me to do something. Maybe it's time for me to step back and let others do something and also listen as well too. So I think it's such a big thing that I think a lot of people miss. And I try to bring that with modern manhood as much as I can to say there are other people in this world that get affected. And also there's forces that are beyond you. <laughs> like there's political forces, there's economic forces, there are uh, systemic issues that happen that don't, you can't solve yourself. <laughs> there has to be a solidarity, a community involved around you that helps, helps you to elevate them, others as well too. So, and 
I think that piece is sometimes gets missed sometimes when we have conversations about masculinity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I love, and I I hope I didn't mishear you, um, but I love the word community. Um, Community Mm -hmm. is like super important to me um, because I think community, in my opinion, is one of those things that if we, if men are able to build healthier communities around them, uh, they're able to be happier and just kind of become better communicators, have better relationships with their partners. Like I think community really ties in so much of that. Um, For sure. As well as you know, that accountability factor. Um, so I, I love mm-hmm. the fact that you brought up mm-hmm. uh, community and accountability. Uh, so let's yeah for let's sure. kind of talk about you you touched on uh, toxic masculinity that i think that's the elephant in the room uh whenever you're talking about masculinity is, is that phrase toxic masculinity <laughs> um so i'm kind of curious yeah what are your what are your thoughts on that yeah i have many thoughts about this um I want to ask you though, Garrett, a question. What, why do you think that, what's the elephant in the room? What's, why do you think that like people are very uncomfortable with this word, with this phrase? So I, I, I think there, I think there's maybe a couple things. Um, one with toxic masculinity, I, I see it as in some ways, uh, the definition is really unclear because I think it has been sort of, I think words really matter and it's been used so broadly mm-hmm. that um, it's not that it's lost its meaning, but the meaning is a bit muddier than what it can be. It's blurred. Yeah. Um, y- yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that, um, I think one of my issues with toxic masculinity as a phrase, like not to say that there aren't masculine and male behaviors that are not like there are clearly toxic behaviors that exist. Um, And clearly there are behaviors that need to change. Uh, But I Mm -hmm. also think that so much of the focus is on toxic masculinity and there isn't enough of a focus on well, what are some of the positives? What are some of the uh, things that we can do to sort of redefine masculinity and make make it better uh, and and help right. men be happier and not feel sort of imprisoned? Uh, obviously, help the relationships yeah. with our partners, with our friends, with women, with the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of for me when I like when it's the elephant in the room. Um, when someone brings it up to me, like when I tell them about what I'm doing, I'll just kind of like nod my head because I don't want to yeah. go into a long conversation. <laughs> but yeah. I, it's, I, it's I, tough. I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think that it's uh, I think it's become a really complicated sort of phrase that. Um, I think any conversations around masculinity almost need to talk about the behaviors of toxic masculinity and what that phrasing means. 
No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, and I I I like the framing that you mentioned about how toxic masculinity talks about critiquing masculinity in general. And so I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna relate this back to this is this is part of my my learnings a lot. Um, so <clears throat> phrase toxic masculinity came from. In about 2000, like the way that we use it now, I'm not talking about way before that it was used. To, it was used in a weird way before. Um, the way that we think about toxic masculinity now is the idea of critiquing masculinity and, and the idea of critiquing dominant masculinity. The way that Western cultures or specific cultures in your specific, you know, areas or cultures that you inhabit, what is the dominant masculinity, and what are the critiques of that dominant masculinity? So. For example, if I'm in Canada, and specifically if I want to nail down, because I'm in Alberta, uh, I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, that's where I am, dominant masculinity looks different than it would be uh, in Toronto or in the US or in Florida or in California and Texas, in Mexico, in uh, California, in BC. You know, like they look different. Dominant masculinity looks different in all those places. If I want to nail down what Edmonton, Alberta dominant masculinity looks like. To me, it looks like uh, there's a specific way of of individualized uh, masculinity where it says that we need to do everything by ourselves. Um, there's a way that uh, we want to, you know, serve myself first before we serve others. Um, there's a kind of a shutdown mentality in regards to mental health, which affects everybody else. And also there's a misogynistic factor as well, um, where, you know, we treat uh, women or people in, people that are not straight males uh, in a different ways. Um, and racism is part of it as well. Um, that is my dominant masculinity, what it looks like in Alberta. So back in 2000, early 2000s, uh, Michael Kimmel and company said, toxic masculinity is the critique of dominant masculinity is the toxic toxic factors of what dominant masculinity looks like. So that phrase is the one that we know it now. And the issues with that is that you're right. People look at toxic masculinity and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Men are not toxic. <clears throat> and we're like, yes, we all know that. <laughs> like <laughs> this, is the, this is the situation. It's like, no, no, no. No one is saying this. <laughs> no one is saying this. It's just there's a an idea that for some reason that like people see the word toxic masculinity and assume that all men are toxic. Saying that, there are some people who perpetuate that notion by using, you know, hashtag men are all blah blah blah. And I understand if people get upset by that. Um, I take a look at that and be like, you know, either I ignore it or I say, eh, whatever. There's a point there. Maybe they don't get it, but there is a point in between all those phrases. If like oh, men are so annoying because they keep, like, telling me, like, that that I'm a B, for example. And I say, well, not, like, the, the response is not all men. The response is, like, wow, it really sucks that people call you a B. Like, <laughs> like just ignore that part, that part that says that, that men, all men, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think that's the, the issue sometimes is that the – it's not the actual word itself. It's the conversation around the word. It is the 
the way that people either conflate the, the, the idea of toxic masculinity, thinking that it's, whoa, 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 you're attacking me as a person, or the way that other people discuss it and say, like, well, man, all men are like this, blah, 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 blah. So these two factors are just working against each other to say and to kind of like kill this word, uh, this very useful phrase at that. But saying that, I do like the idea that you mentioned saying that we don't get a chance to talk about what is the next step. And so I go back to a doctor whose name is Joseph Gelfer. He talked about the five uh, notions of masculinity, I think it was called. Um, and he, five stages of masculinity. That's what it's called. Um, and the third stage is critiquing masculinity. And this is the stage that we are right now. We are in the stage of like, hey, these are the things that are going wrong. These are the things that's messing up our culture. And a lot of the media, a lot of the conversation revolves around critiquing masculinity. There isn't a whole lot. There is some. There isn't a whole lot of conversation about, well, what do we do next? Well, what can you do is the next step? And people who are in, who really care about gender and masculinity do care about that next step. They either label to say, okay, well, we need to redefine masculinity. We need to make it more positive. We need to make it more healthy. There's also conversations about we need to be, we need to grab back our, um, you know, the way that we were back before. And that's a lot of like, you hear a lot of that conversation and a lot of the masculinity spheres being like, we need to go back into the woods and like act like cavemen and like <laughs> bring back our own spiritual masculinity. <laughs> uh, or we need to bring our own divine masculinity or find what it is like to be a man in the spiritual sense. <clears throat> that's the next step for us. There's no answer there yet. We haven't decided what that is. And it could be, I have, a, I have an idea around that. Um, I really believe in, in, in the thought of multiple masculinities and the saying that my masculinity might look your, different than yours, Garrett, might look different than any other man that is listening to this. Um, and they're all fine. They're all valid. They all can live in the same um, universe, in the same galaxy. We don't have to compete with each other. We don't have to compete. Our masculinity, my masculinity is better than yours, blah, 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 blah. Because the competing is the one is the thing that kills us. It's the we're always trying to find the dominant masculinity. So well, 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 what what happens when we get rid of the dominant masculinity? Then everybody's on the same level. Then if everybody's on the same level, then all masculinity is valid. The only thing that we have to fight is the toxicity, and we just get rid of the masculinity part and just say like, okay, we need to fight against misogyny. We need to fight against sexism. We need to fight against violence. We need to fight discrimination. We need to fight against stereotyping. Once we do that, then that is a, to me, is a good way of saying that if you want to be, if you want to want to be a man, then do that. Then you are valid in my eyes. As long as you don't be violent, as long as you're not misogynist, as long as you're not sexist, as long as you're not any of these values and ethics that we believe in as as a person, then I, I don't care if you're called a man. Like that, you 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 can be if you are going to be driving a truck and wearing a cowboy hat, you're just as a man as you're going to be driving a Prius or and wearing eyeliner. They're both men in my eyes. There's no there's no competition there. So I think you're right in the sense that we haven't got to that fourth stage. We haven't talked. That conversation hasn't got there. Joseph Gelfer says that the next stage would be is like 
positing what is a what is masculinity in the fifth stage is actually trying to undefine what masculinity is. It's a very like Buddhist way of thinking about it. I don't know if I'll ever see that in my generation. <laughs> Maybe it'll be completely different. Uh, but that's what Gelford posits. But at the same time, I think the fourth stage is very interesting to me. And then the fourth stage to me is where I think if, if you really care about gender masculinity is where you should be at. The critiquing part, everyone's got a voice in critiquing. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got a hot take about it. We don't need it anymore. <laughs> I think go to the fourth stage. We, we, we're, we're in that stage. That is the, the important stage to me. If that makes sense. <laughs> I. I hadn't heard of the five stages before, but that makes a ton of sense. Um, and I think on some level, the I think maybe the focus, and I'm kind of just, maybe I'm just rambling at this point, but maybe the focus on toxic masculinity from male and female perspectives is it's easy. Um, so from like the- Yeah, it's easy. From a from a critiques standpoint, like we know what toxic masculinity is, we know what it looks like, we know uh, we are aware of it, we know how it exists. Uh, yeah, absolutely, for, absolutely, absolutely. It is easy. You're totally right. And and then for the men who feel offended by it, like, well, I don't have to have this other conversation about who am I. Uh, I can just focus on I'm not this. Um, I, I'm not these yeah. toxic behaviors. And this that's is not the ego. That's the ego. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's the problem. It's that's the ego, right? That's like the, that's, and I think, and I go back to this, the thought too, with, when a lot of people talk about issues of social justice is that there is the systemic and there's the personal, there's the individual and there's the institution. And I think sometimes we conflate the two things as well. Um, when we talk about toxic masculinity, it is talking about the systemic and it's specifically talking about the systemic. The thing is that like, how are you, how do you fit into the system? And that phrase will help you so much. <laughs> like to say, where, okay, where do I fit in into this idea of toxic masculinity? And also be honest with yourself, like, because sometimes it is the ego talking being like, and you know, I'm not perfect either. This happens to me. Like I have, I've, I've listened and like concentrated and read so much about masculinity. Yet this still happens to me. Man, this happened to me yesterday. Like there was somebody being like, you know, all men do this, and I'm just like, wait a minute, I'm not like that. And then I'm just like, okay, just hang back. <laughs> I'm not this person, right? Like this, this is very personal. Uh, this person's talking about a system and I'm putting my personality, my ego into it. Um, really tough to get that out, but it, it's worthwhile to kind of like parse those two things. And I think if anything that I would want to kind of stress to your listeners and stress to the people watching this is to say like, where's the system and where's the individual? Where do I fit in into this, into these two categories? Um, the system is like the the way I the way I think about it is when somebody's asking you what can you do to do better is the personal being like how are you the solution that's the personal but then someone asking you how are you part of the problem that's a system question so 
think about it in that term. And I think things will make more sense because it's not just you wanting to be part of the solution. It's also asking, how are you the problem as well? It's not people asking how much more are you going to give? It's also how much are you taking? So that is, those two posits are really important. And I, and I want to make sure, I want to stress that because I think too many people get caught up in this, this thought of like, oh, toxic masculinity is going to blame me. Oh, man. Oh, we're just going to destroy all men. Like, man, look, you know, we're not going to uh, have men anymore. And just we're destroying, like, get out of that headspace. Like, (laughs) no one is trying to think that the, the idea of masculinity, the dominant masculinity has changed like decade to decade to decade to decade. Of course, things are going to change. Like, there's not it's it's going to be an an area an idea that that's going to evolve as people grow and as people um you know generations generations pass they'll know more they'll know what's happening they'll know what's going on we'll have different politicians we'll have different leaders we'll have different people that are in charge they're going to be able to um you know give those ideas of identity that we really that that might be completely different than it is now. So like, get that out of your head. Like, there's no one's trying to erase men. They're just they just want to make sure they're not. No one's being violent anymore. And like, that's the main goal, right? Right. I mean, that's I just I find it really tough. And I know, and I don't mean to like disrespect your question because I think it's an honest one. Um, but I I do find it really tough when people are struggling with the word toxic masculinity because I think it is an ego problem, right? And I think it is a it is an ego issue um but i also understand it i i do understand where that comes from too because <laughs> it happens to me so <laughs> uh, and i think uh whether you meant to or not i think you actually also probably provided one of the best arguments against uh the ideas of sort of in order to redefine masculinity we need to go back to the early 1900 mid 1900s <laughs> oh god <laughs> I hate that argument too. It's such a dishonest, like, like, like think about it for like five minutes. <laughs> Tell me how, how this is going to work. And like, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Although there is like, um, there's a big movement around that. And there's a, and it's, it's, it's bubbling up in the, in the surfaces of, of, of anybody talking about masculinity that, it, that has been um, something that's there. You know, like this idea of the the mythio poets um, that has that started in the '90s, and like this idea of like, okay, we need to go back to find our wild way of how to be a man. There's big, big organizations that are really interested in that, um, and I would watch out for that. <laughs> this is not something that sometimes is a little bit hidden, um, and it's very sometimes. I this is my personal opinion. Just saying, you know, uh, sometimes I feel it's a little dishonest. Uh, at the same time, there's people who have done it, have gotten great results out of it, have been really good people. I'm just, I'm concerned about the method. So I, yeah, that's the only thing I want to say with that. <laughs> I, I, I think you said that uh, as eloquently as you possibly could. Um, so... I, 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 and I, I do think that's probably another conversation that you and I will have at some point. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> about really, because that is that has been something that I've been noticing a lot as well. Um, 
Yeah. But if we can, so we talked a little, we talked about sort of that third space and how we should move to the fourth, that fourth step in which we sort of start that, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that redefining mm-hmm. um, mechanism. Yeah. What do you think we and uh, so not just men, but sort of as a society, how do we get to that next step? What do you think we should start doing? I really think that we should be looking at different types of identities and different types of way that we are men and just let them breathe a bit. So for example, there's um, there was a good, I don't remember where it was from, but I saw a good article that was talking about um, the so-called flower boys in Korea. So in Korea, there's a big uh, culture where a lot of men are wearing makeup, they're wearing more quote-unquote feminine clothes, um, wearing more dresses, wearing more flowery stuff. And and these people are called like, in I think they call themselves the flower boys, and it's an interesting way of like, of being a man. However, the way that this was framed in the article was saying that this is a way to fight toxic masculinity, and I question those things sometimes because, um, I don't know much about Korea, but I know like, like. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of misogyny in Asian cultures, and I don't know if the flower boys still embody that kind of misogyny and this that kind of um, the ways of toxic masculinity that they might inhibit. Um, so I think we need to critique those things too. Um, just because things look different than your dominant masculinity doesn't mean it's the answer. It just means that there's something else. And I think that, like, if we focus on, like I said before, if we focus things like on violence, misogyny, on racism, um, on things that, like, are really hurting us and, like, really investigate what that is, then you can find ways of how to be our own identity that is comfortable for us. And to say that this is not really, like, a fight against toxic masculinity or a fight against other men this is just the way that i am like if if somebody wants to wear eyeliner and somebody wants to wear very flowery dresses as a man it's fine that person still might hit somebody by that person still might cause violence against women or just violence in general violence against men violence against anybody i don't know that yet it just means that they're 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 fighting their own identity. Um, also, the opposite: if somebody is wearing a white, if a man's wearing a white tank top and a trucker hat, that person might embody a very dominant version of masculinity. Yet, we don't know anything about this person except that they wear a white tank top and a trucker hat. We need to investigate what it is that is causing those stereotypes in our head, and we need to investigate what it is that is um, giving us anxiety and stressors. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people in this world that are have been uh, traumatized by people in white tank tops and trucker hats. That's totally fair. And I think that's a very personal 
thought that they might have. Um, and I think that story is valid, that history is valid to them, and that history should be honored by myself too. At the same time, I don't want to label everybody who wears a white tank top and a trucker hat with that sort of trauma as well. And I think once we start understanding that there's many ways to be a man and those those ways could be quote-unquote healthy or quote-unquote toxic, we need to investigate what toxic means, what toxic means to you, and also what toxic means to the system. That's going to create a more of a culture where we start examining what it is to be a man just where you are, not just in general. Because right now, we're in a place of critiquing, which is a critique in general, right? Um, it's It sucks that our media is very Western-dominated, Canada and the U.S., U.S. specifically, sometimes in the U.K. Um, that media is very dominated by that, and it's a very Anglo-Saxon media. And so we have these ideas of what it is to be a man, and it comes from the U.S. Um, you know, like I am – I'm from South America. I'm from Chile. So – I it's funny because there was a whole article about um, Joe Biden kissing his sons, and it's funny because I'm like, I don't know. You go to Italy, you go to France, you go to like any type of places in South America. You, there's guys kissing their sons all the time. Like it's not a big deal there because it's part of the culture. But yet, because it's in the U.S., it's it's shown as this like resistance of like <laughs> ways to be in a man. So it's like. It just investigate those things sometimes. It's like, it doesn't mean that it's like, it's great that it, I, I really think it's like totally fine that Joe Biden kisses his son. Like, I like, but it, it's at the same time, I'm just like, man, eh, it's neither here nor there. Like, <laughs> like, it's like, to me, I'm just like, it's cool. I'm happy. Like, it shouldn't be made fun of that. Like, I don't think that's like something that's worthy to make fun of. Um, at the same time, I'm like, is it fighting toxic masculinity? I don't know. <laughs> it's like you go to France and somebody's kissing their son, they could also like get into a fight at the bar. Like, and it's <laughs> that, that, that means nothing to me. Right. So until I actually see what actual toxic traits or healthy traits that they might have. So I think that would be the, an appropriate step to me is to actually investigate what mas what types of masculinity you are in your own uh, bubble in your own world. And what are the things that are outside it um, and see those on equal planes and not just on, one higher, one lower. Because I think that's that's sometimes where we get stuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when you're talking, really kind of this entire conversation reminds me a lot of... So I was an emo kid uh, through high school and oh, yeah. college. I had the swooping haircut. And, <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. And, you know, thinking about it, like in that moment in time, I'm like, oh, this is like, these are the emotional guys. These are the vulnerable guys. These are the romantic guys. And now I'm in my mid thirties and I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like, this is like, I, I understand the presentation of all of this, but it's also incredibly toxic and and really yeah. dangerous could be in a way maybe you're just swooping your hair right like it's just like there was it's interesting because i i just saw an article about like the that some emo guys were having toxic masculinity traits um there's many there's been many emo singers that have abused women 
and that have, um, you know, slept with underage girls or asked them to do sexual acts that against their will, like it's just because you're, you're doing something that's countercultural doesn't mean that it's healthy. <laughs> like, I think maybe that's the best way of saying that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think from my, like what I was referencing was, um, a lot of like the lyrics, um, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a change in perspective is, is really, really important, um, when kind of looking at those things. Uh, so I, I think that was kind of my, one of my big awakenings was to really kind of take a step back and, and think about, um, who are these people and like, what are they trying to say and what are they representing? Um, right. Have you had right. any sort of pop culture right. totally. moments like that? with yourself? Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like I, it, it's interesting because this conversation reminds me a lot of an article I'm writing or in the midst of writing for um, the next gen men zine, the future masculinity zine that we're putting out. Um, yeah, because I'm a board member of Next Gen Men, so I, I, I work alongside them a lot, and and I got I got asked to write an article about this, and this is the thing that this because I was like, I should really write about this because I, I remember when I was younger, I remember when, um, you know, there, there was these these young boys, and they were really popular, and they were really like, I don't know, they're <laughs> they were the ones that got all the attention, and to me, I was like. In my head, my 16-year-old head, I was like, these people are jerks. These people are annoying. They're loud. They are not good people. That was my thought, right? And my answer to that was trying to be countercultural. Like, I wanted to be opposite of what they were trying to do, right? Um, But still in my own masculine way, in the way that I thought was more to me like i you know i didn't listen to the same music that i that they did or uh i didn't hang out with the same people that they did and like like they were loud i wanted to be a little bit more quieter um so that was my kind of like countercultural moment and um but looking back on it i was like i don't know i'm sure those people were really fine they were just nice they were like my high school was like 2000 people those kids never picked on me man like i was a quiet i was an in-betweener man like i was like <laughs> i was neither super bright nor super like low low quality low effort kind of thing like to get suspended all the time it was just i was there <laughs> so i i never got picked on by anybody like uh those kids those popular kids never did anything to me and but i had this like thought in my head that they were jerks and just because they were popular. And so I really investigated that for the magazine to say like, why did I think that? Why did I think that, that those, those kids were jerks? And it was just this, it was my ego. It really was. It was my thought process, my own version of toxic masculinity saying, I can't be like this because they are popular. That's it. They were probably going through the same identity crisis is like every teenager does right like they're they're going through the same idea that um you know like i i need to find out what kind of uh, sexual preference do i have what kind of clothes do i wear what kind of music should i listen to like they're probably going through that too right like and i didn't give them 
the, the benefit of the doubt. And so I wrote that in the magazine being like, like there's no, like I, there was a story I made up in my head that, that they were jerks and I needed to get away from that story. And the once I got more away from that story, I was able to embrace them in the past, <laughs> but like, I'm also be able to embrace um, my own sense of shame and kind of guilt and maybe jealousy and envy. Um, but also to embrace other men as well and other people, not even just men, just like people in general where you're like, oh man, that being that person's being a jerk. And you're like, wait, wait, why are they being a jerk? Like, <laughs> like, are they just being a jerk because they're just driving a loud car? Like, well, whatever. Like if they're driving a loud car, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of annoying, but you know, it'd be nice to have a cool loud car. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like if you had a loud car, maybe it'd be, maybe I'd do the same thing. I don't know. Like, that's the, the question that sometimes I, I, I ask myself. But again, I'm not perfect either. I'm not like I. That happens to me like today. It happens to me. It'll happen to me tomorrow. It'll might happen to me in the future. Like I just have to make sure I kind of stop those thoughts when it happens. And it happened to me when I was a kid. And I, I want to be able to kind of um, be good with that in my own self. So yeah, that's I, that's something that I wrote, and I'm happy to like be able to have the conversation with you because I, I really wanted to synthesize it and really wanted to like, like be able to like, Oh yeah, that's right. These are my thoughts. Um, so the, yeah, this has been a good conversation to have. That <laughs> I, I I'm really excited to take a look at that. Um, so before we wrap up, uh, mm-hmm. we, we've talked a lot about sort of different things that, uh, men can do. So what advice would you give to a 20, 30, 40 something year old man listening right now? What do you think is the thing that they can do to kind of live the best version of their lives and kind of with society as well? Yeah, for sure. And I think like, I want to go back to the thought about community. And I think community is really important. I think the Understanding your own community and meeting not even just the people that are around you that you that live around you in your neighborhood, but like your family, the people that like for example, like I play soccer, I have a soccer community, I sometimes play hockey, I have a hockey community, any type of community that like affects you and your normal life, I just see how that community affects you and how you affect that community. Um, cause I think that's really important to have. And also to know that like, um, when people go off into like manner, blah, 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 like, <laughs> um, you just, just don't take that personal. <laughs> don't like, I think that to me will stop a lot of these kind of like conversations about, um, oh, men are doing this or like, or, you know, how do we, how do we not get so uh, riled up about the word toxic masculinity or like talking about like, oh, you know, like this is just cancel culture and blah, 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 blah. Like those are all personal thoughts. And I think that like, I think that there is uh, a way in which we can just get ourselves out of that. And, and sometimes the ego takes over. And if we take that ego, if they, if we just listen to that ego and saying like, why, why is this happening to me? Why am I feeling this way? Um, you just, you know, notice that, take a breath, take some time out for a bit and just come back to it and just think about the systemic. Just think about the system. Think about the way this affects everybody and this affects the world. But also, like, really care about your community. Like, the the idea of, like, um, like think 
globally but act locally i think is really important and especially in these time of days like like if you're not online all the time or if you are online like think about that but it does take a take a step outside <laughs> like meet your neighbors meet people around you like uh meet the community that is that affects you and also you're affecting them too so um i always say toxic masculinity is a community issue I think it's something that not only is something for men to to try to help and solve, but for everybody because it affects everybody. Everybody should be part of the conversation, um, and I think that's something that we really should take forward. and And it's an approach that you know Next Gen Men really takes for uh, really takes it head on. And I'm happy that they do. And it's one of the reasons why I want to be a part of that organization. Um, but I believe that fully, and it's and it's one of the things, the reasons why I started Modern Manhood. It's the reason why Modern Manhood changed in the way it does. It's the reason why um, I do the things that I do, and like, and I I really truly believe in the power of community, and I think that's that's important for a lot of men to really think about that too. So, yeah, a community is not just like the person that is. You're, you're following that identity. It's just, it's everyone around you. So just be aware of that. I think that would be my biggest advice. <laughs> that's, and that's fantastic advice. Uh, so for listeners, uh, viewers, where can they get more information about modern manhood? <clears throat> yeah, you can search up modern manhood at anywhere you find podcasts on Spotify, is on, um, yeah, just look up Modern Manhood. You can probably find it. There's a book called Modern Manhood. It's not mine. Uh, just letting you know. Uh, so there, don't listen. To, I mean, the book's okay. I've read the book. Uh, but <laughs> <clears throat> I actually did an interview with the author of the book. It was funny. It was good. Um, but the, there's a podcast called Modern Manhood presented by Next Gen Men. And also check out Next Gen Men as well, too. So nextgenmen.ca. Um they're doing a lot of cool stuff. They're doing some really amazing stuff right now. There's cool little swags. There's something called Cards for Masculinity. I'll get you to ask these questions for yourself and be, make it like, like a little party game. Um, that's really fun. So yeah, check out nextgenmen.ca. Check out Modern Manhood and anywhere you find a podcast. Or you can look on Twitter or on Instagram at Modern Man Pod. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for sitting down. This was a long one. I, I really appreciate you chatting with us. No problem, Garrett. This is really fun. Huge thank you again to Herman for chatting with us. If you want to hear more, visit the Modern Manhood podcast, or you can find it on anywhere you listen to podcasts. I also want to highlight that we recently just published a couple of new guides on Dufluencer.com, including ones about grooming and manscaping. Both are really in-depth, have a ton of information, more information than you think you will ever need to know about grooming your body. So definitely check them out. And while you're there, while you're on the site, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter newsletter to make sure you never miss an article, podcast update, anything. Once again, I want to thank you so much for listening. See you next time.